And now, Dan Happel's Connecting the Dots. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Where the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away. The men who died, who gave that right to me, and I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. God bless the USA. Well, good Sunday afternoon. Welcome to Connecting the Dots with Dan Happel. Uh, Thumper, thank you for all the uh, diligent effort you put in on my behalf. Uh, it's uh, Just so our listeners know, we have been running into some technical issues at the network and uh, in getting the, the show out. And uh, uh, Thumper's been working very hard to try to do what he can to make sure that we get the message out our our guest today we're going to have a great program today our guest today is george carneal and uh george has been uh he's been involved in uh exposing some of the fraud behind the uh lbgtq agenda and what some of the uh, players behind the scenes are actually doing to weaponize our differences. And that's going to be the discussion for today. We're going to be talking about how the New World Order is using so many different techniques to try to fragmentize and then destroy the relationships between different people of every conceivable reason under the sun, including race, sex, uh, religion, you name it. They're working on trying to shut down the United States of America as a free and independent republic, and they've been doing uh, a pretty stellar job of it. George, uh, thank you for being our guest today. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, we're, uh, we, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got a little time to do it, but uh, we had a great conversation the other day when you and I were visiting on this, and it's just amazing to all of us who are paying attention to how effectively the New World Order and the globalists and the people that really want to shut down this country is a constitutional republic, how well they've been able to fracture our society and certainly the the uh, LBGTQ agenda is a big part of that, um, and they they've managed to 
creates so much divisiveness back and forth. And now it's just getting completely out of control. And I think you saw my uh, announcement that I sent out. I, I, I do that as kind of a starting talking point. But before we go any further with the program, I want our, our viewers and our listeners to understand one thing. This is not intended to uh, identify and villainize uh, people because of their sexual preference. Uh, that's not the point. The point is to identify that there are groups in this world who are trying to create the kind of divisiveness. And we've gone from a society of open discussion and being able to object to things without creating the kind of uh, dialogue that is going on right now. George, uh, I welcome you to start with that very introduction. Would you like for me to address what you just said or just start with my background first? Well, start with your background. I'm sorry, I didn't do an adequate job of uh, uh, giving your background. Go ahead and start start with your background and then maybe we can go from there. Okay, um, I'll just segue into what you just said, but I am the son of a Baptist minister and I spent 25 years in the homosexual lifestyle. I did write the book From Queer to Christ because I really wanted to give Christians insight into what it's like for an individual who is struggling with both their faith and the same sex attraction. And just really what the journey was like for me and the turmoil, the trouble, the pain, the sorrow, the heartache of what it was like to try to mesh the two and really what laid the foundation for me going into that lifestyle. Uh, and then I also wanted Christians who parents who have LGBT kids to know that there is a right way and a wrong way to handle this in order to help those kids come out of that lifestyle. So um, I hope that even through my journey in the book, if you at least understand a little bit of the mindset and even the thinking of the LGBT community, maybe it will help you better be better equipped to witness to these individuals. And I especially wanted Christians and the parents to know that at the back of the book, I have taken the time to list all or most of the talking points that the LGBT activists will use, or even the liberal theologians, and I debunk them with scripture. So it will ha better help you in terms of trying to witness to that individual. When they throw those talking points out there, you can lovingly disarm them with the truth of God's word, because it really was a struggle for me. And it took some time for me to really come to terms and understand the truth of what God's word really said about this issue. And then lastly, if there are LGBT individuals who are watching, I want you to know that I will never give a message of condemnation because I know what it's like to be on the receiving end. And for someone to take God's word and to beat you upside the head of it, giving you no hope when in reality, God really does love all LGBT individuals and loves everyone. He may hate the sin of homosexuals and heterosexuals, but he loves us all. And that is evident by what Jesus did on the cross. And I want to give you guys a message of hope, but to also let you know that you are being lied to. And I spent 25 years in that life and I detail what it took for God to wake me up and to get me out of that life. So to segue into what you were saying, Dan, there is an agenda behind this agenda. And if they can take, if the globalists can take everything that God's word deems pure and holy and right and just and pervert it and twist it and criminalize it in order to shut people up and to silence all opposition to this agenda, 
That is their end goal. And then, of course, to take everything that God's word abhors or defines as sin and wickedness and abomination, and then they will praise that. They are really going after the children. And if anyone wishes to go to my website, there is a little clip from Laura Logan uh, where she you actually can find it on my YouTube channel, but I take the time to just briefly at the bottom of my website, take the verbiage of what she exposed from an insider who had infiltrated the UN and why they are absolutely going after the children because they are the most pure and they want to destroy the children because they feel that's the best way they can hurt God and hurting God and destroying God and defeating God is their ultimate goal. And they're doing it through the children. Um, and George, incidentally, we've got that up and ready to show that uh, three-minute uh, Laura Logan video. Uh, so, uh, Thumper, maybe let's go ahead and play that short video, and that would be a great opportunity then to get that further discussion. ...time with. But this person's job for many years was to infiltrate what you call the global elites, what I would say to you, I have, uh, I no longer use that term for the most part, because this person taught me that they're not elite, they're a cult. Mm, That's what yeah, they yeah. are. That's they're, a good term. A, they're a global cult. Mm. And why does that matter so much? Because it's accurate. It's about who they really are and what they really want, where they're taking us. They're not taking us to a world you know, um, of elites, right? They're taking us into the dark heart of a cult where, what do you have? You have people whose one single most important defining objective is to eliminate and eradicate God. Mm. And this is, what, and I'm telling you, this is what this person who spent years, he had to read, they have all this, they actually infiltrate them at the UN level, right? I can't tell you which faction he was part of. I don't want to give too much away. But because um, one of the things I asked him is I said, I get it, but I don't get it, the children. You just, you got to, I still have, I have such a problem with this. You got to explain this one to me. And he said, um, well, first of all, you're looking at it the wrong way. I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, they don't define children the way you do. They don't define the world the way you do. The choices that you face are not their choices, right? They look at it completely differently. And, uh, and I said, well, okay, so how do they look at it? And he said, for them, everything is defined by their one fundamental all-consuming purpose. I said, which is what? He said, to defeat God, right? Because this is the moment. I mean, for them, it's about uh, the real God. The true gods are them and Satan, yeah. there, right? Mm. And so he said, children are, children are the closest thing on earth to God because mm. we are created in the image of God. And as you know, from the moment we're created, we haven't had time to, uh, to, you know, to be corrupted and destroy. So for them, the younger you are, the closer you are to God, the more pain they can inflict on God. So the more you can make a baby or a small child suffer, the greater your victory over God. 
And that is the only consideration for them. Outside of that doesn't exist. George, going into that discussion, we know that so much what's going on today in the world is uh, literally the, the final battle, the battle between good and evil. There's no question about that. And uh, what you're talking about is how they have defined the attacks on children as being the ultimate attacks on God. I would uh, maybe carry that even a little bit further in saying that not only are they attacking children, they're attacking the whole idea of family, the whole idea of procreation. And this is exactly what their ultimate goal is, is an incredible uh, reduction of the human population through any means at their disposal. And uh, one of the best ways to do that is destroy the traditional heterosexual family. Okay, let's, let's, uh, I'll give it to you. Take it from there, please. Yeah, and to even go one step further, Dan, um, I'm sure many have heard that it has been rumored or alleged that a lot of the global elite, um, world leaders, people in Hollywood are also pedophiles, allegedly. We're not going to name names. But if they can move forward in legalizing pedophilia under the P umbrella for pedosexual or MAP, minor attracted persons, and they can throw that under the LGBT umbrella, it will be a great excuse for them to not only legalize grown men and women having sex with young men or young boys and girls, but also if you dare to complain and for it to be criminalized, you could be charged with a hate crime. So it really is, I believe, the end goal is to put under that LGBT umbrella their crimes, but legalize it. So then when the truth does come out, they can say, hey, it's it's legal. And I believe there's I believe that's even more of a reason for them pushing the things that they are pushing to really cover their rear ends when the truth eventually does come out. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. That is, and it is a, a, a big part of the whole uh, New World Order plan is pedophilia because that is such an integral part of, of Satanism. Mm -hmm. um, I mentioned to you the other day when we were talking, uh, Juliet Engel, uh, a lady who is a friend of mine who is uh, was a survivor of MKUltra, and at the in this, her parents did this. At the age of six years old, she was put into the sex magic program where she was abused by adult people. And at these uh, these different uh, venues and programs that she was forced to participate in, they also did child sacrifice at those venues as well. This is so evil. It is so beyond anything that most people even want to conceive of, but it's real, isn't it? That that's you you have seen the dark side of this whole thing better than a lot of people. And I really wanna uh I want people to realize this is not an indictment against your uh, sexual preferences 
what we're talking about is literally going after our soul. And sadly, it's a lot more prevalent and, and a lot more common than people believe, and it has been going on for decades. It's just really coming into the light, I think, with the advent of the Internet and people sharing stuff on social media. A lot of people are waking up, and a lot of people who have exposed, especially the pedophiles in Hollywood and actually named names, themselves have wound up murdered or at least threatened and there's been several people who were going to expose it who have wound up mysteriously dead so they are trying to keep it under wraps but people are trying to expose this and name names well you had spent 25 years in in the gay community and you've seen how how really really i guess what i would call it is debilitating to people this whole process is and of course I, during the discussion, I want to talk about things like AIDS and other things that it turns out are actually manufactured uh, and they are geared to creating the kind of divisiveness between people that we have now. Talk a little bit about, if you would, the fact that the lifestyles that they're trying to nurture are very often very difficult times for people, and it's very difficult for for a lot of people to live in that environment for very long. And then I'll just kind of shut up. Okay, feel free to jump in if there's uh, something you would like for me to discuss more in detail. But I would like for Christians and parents to especially understand that you're being lied to by media and by the Hollywood, by the LGBT activists and by the liberal theologians. What they're not telling you is the truth of the reality of that life. And what they're not doing is allowing stories like mine and so many other gays and lesbians who have left that lifestyle, even some who aren't religious, but they are, will tell you how destructive it is and how miserable they were and how suicidal they were but also the transgender individuals who are detransitioning, some religious, some not, simply sharing their stories about how it made their lives worse, how much more depressed they are. They're not talking about what the cross-sex hormones are doing to the bodies, the health risks, the botched surgeries, the infections, how these young men and women are saying that it didn't solve their problems, that it was a lie, that they couldn't change their gender. All it is, is nothing more than plastic surgery. And the doctors are getting wealthy and these young boys and girls are being left to pick up the pieces of their shattered lives. And I just wish people would take the time to really listen to the stories of the detransitioners and especially those trans individuals who are thinking about going down that path. And I don't dismiss the gender dysphoria that a small minority really have, and perhaps they've suffered some real childhood trauma or abuse, shame, rejection, and are really struggling with this, and they need our prayers. But I believe a larger portion of the so-called trans-identified kids are doing it because they think it's the cool thing to do. They're not being told the risks that are involved. And maybe there are a lot of kids, um, girls who are tomboys, or boys who may be a little bit more effeminate, who are groomed and 
and led to believe that they really should be of the opposite sex. So there's even a lot of pressure within the school system. And if parents only knew what the counselors were doing in the school system, the things that they are doing behind the backs of the parents, and there are liberal teachers who have been caught on camera stating undercover that they know that they have nine months to groom these children, not only with the LGBT agenda, but with the socialist Marxist agenda as well. And even in some school systems, they are now trying to have a Satan after school club. So they are trying to push Satanism as well. And on my website, I even have links to satanic children's coloring books that are being distributed to some of these children in the elementary school system. It really is a full on assault on the children. But overall, I would like to say to the gays and lesbians or who are thinking about going into this life or the Christians in general who are affirming this, I would ask you to rethink your stance because what, you know, the media will give this illusion that, oh, this gay life is one of unicorns and glitter and rainbows and everybody's happy. And once we affirm you, you're going to be happy. But when you go into that lifestyle, what they don't understand is, is that you are surrounded by drugs and alcohol, and it's very promiscuous. It's very hard to find stable, solid relationships in the gay and lesbian community, not to mention the domestic violence issues, which surprising to some, the domestic violence rate numbers are higher amongst the lesbians than it is the gay men, but it is higher on both sides than their heterosexual counterparts. Not only that, the young men going into that lifestyle today don't hear a lot about AIDS, but for the older gay men who saw the community ravaged by AIDS, and we've seen what it's like for our loved ones and friends that we cared about to die of that horrific disease, they have drugs and cocktails that only extend the life. But these individuals have no idea how horrific it is to suffer with HIV and once it turns into full-blown AIDS, not to mention the other sexually transmitted diseases that are rampant within that community, not to mention the heterosexual community as well. So I'm not unjustly uh, picking on the LGBT community. But the other aspect of it is there's, there's a danger involved in the gay lifestyle in that when guys go and meet random strangers for sex, whether it's parks or on dating apps and what have you, what people aren't talking about is the number of gay men who are raped, drugged, robbed, murdered. I had a friend of mine who was murdered, and I know so many instances of young men who have been led to their deaths by simply just meeting up with the wrong person. It is such a dangerous lifestyle. So in addition to that, you have a lot of the young men who will turn to stripping or prostitution or uh, they'll become go-go dancers. It is really a youth-oriented culture, and what most don't know is, is that once you hit 35, 40, 45, you are deemed old now. And unless you have a lot of money to keep up with plastic surgery and you work out all of the time and you really stay in shape and you look good, you really become like a dirty dish rag. You're kind of tossed to the side because you're no longer the new meat on the market. And especially for the trans females, so the guys who want to transition to female what I would say to you is, is that once you transition and you start to age in that life, what man is going to desire an old gal, so to speak, who is a, a guy pretending to be a woman who will never really be a woman? And what do you hope to get out of it? I mean, really, and I'm not being mean and cruel when I say this, what do you hope to get out of it? Because once you start to age, okay, so you're dressed up, you've had the surgeries. 
what's the end goal? And I just wish gays, the LGBT individuals would really understand that the life at the end of that road, which is where God started to work on me, is that when I was sitting in a bar in Hollywood and I saw this elderly man always sitting in a corner drinking, that's all he did all night long was just drink. And he was lonely and my heart broke for him, but it was as if God was really impressing upon me. If this is the life you want, this is going to be the end of the road for you. And it really, it was sad for me. And my heart hurt for him and so many of the other elderly gay men who were no longer desired. And I just knew, I wasn't sure where God was going to take me, but I knew this is not going to be the end of the road for me. And it was really part of my awakening in trying to decide, what am I trying to get out of this life? Because how much sex can you have? How much partying can you do? How much pornography can you look at? How many drinks can you have? And how many, how many drugs can you do? But at the end of the day, I was still sad. There was still a void that hadn't been filled. And little did I know that growing up and having that disconnect with my own father, who really wasn't demonstrative in his love and going to school and being rejected by my male peers. So I was so deficient in male bonding. That's why I became so easily ensnared in that life. And I was looking for men and having sex with men to try to fill that void. But sadly, with that comes the drugs, the alcohol, the porn, the sex addiction, and so many other things, which is why I eventually started medicating because I was in so much pain. I was medicating through alcohol and drugs. I became a prostitute. I was so depressed and suicidal. I had a sex addiction and I eventually attempted suicide and it would still be another 22 years before God would really get me out of that life. And I guess I would just say to all of the LGBT individuals, if you can just quiet the noise and ask yourself, however long you've been in that life, are you really happy? Have you really been able to fill that void? And all I'm saying is, is that I tried it for 25 years and I decided this is not working for me. And that's where I went on that path with God. And the most wonderful thing about that and what I would say to the LGBT individuals is when you give your life to Christ and you let the power of the Holy Spirit work in your life, God will do the work and he'll do the healing. And it was through counseling and God working in me and the Holy Spirit doing the work to where I got the healing of the root core issues of what led me into that bondage, but it made it easy then for me to get out of that bondage. And I've been out of that life for 15 years and I have no regrets. And a lot of the gay men will say to me, well, you're a self-loathing homosexual, or you've been brainwashed by religion. I want you to know I was already on the path of celibacy about a year to a year and a half before I ever really got on the path with God. I was so sick and tired of that life and the misery and going home, feeling, always feeling this void, wanting so desperately to have, desperately to have love and never being settled with being a homosexual. And it wasn't until I got honest and went before God. And I said, Lord, if it is okay to be a homosexual and in a committed monogamous relationship if you will help me to know it and give me peace with this and settle it within me, I will trust you'll give me a good Christian man, someone I can go to church with and build a life with and grow old with because I wanted that stability. But I also said to God, but if this is wrong under all circumstances and it is an abomination to you and you absolutely abhor this, 
I will still follow you if you will just give me peace about it and help me to know the truth. And he did. And I walked out of that, that life. And I will tell you, when I rededicated my life to Christ and gave my life to Jesus, and I told God I was so sorry for having been involved in that lifestyle and the wickedness I had done. All I can tell you is this, that God took away that torment that was in my mind. It was the first time that I had truly had peace of mind my whole life. And he had, and I had peace with myself. And not only that, I knew in that transaction at that moment, God was letting me know you and I are now good. And I knew God and I had gotten it settled that night. And I've again, have been out of that life for 15 years. And I'm only here to sound the alarm to say that you will never find true peace and happiness in that life. And for those of you who want to say, well, if we don't affirm it, the LGBT individuals will commit suicide. The problem is, is that if you look in Europe and especially in places like the Netherlands and Sweden, where Europe is very liberal and they support the LGBT agenda, if you look at, look at the suicide rates for the gays and lesbians and even the transgender individuals, they are just as high as those in America. They're almost comparable. So this has nothing to do with someone not affirming it. It's a, a lifestyle in which God is never going to let you have peace in doing something that he deems wicked. And so you can run from God, but you'll never get away from him. So you can enact all of the hate laws you want. You can destroy all the Bibles, kill every Christian. You will still not be able to run from the true living God and find peace. So I want to give you a message of hope today that while God condemns the act, he loves you and you will never find real peace until you study God's word, but understand that he also has just as much to say about heterosexual sin. So he is not unjustly picking on the LGBT community. And I discuss all of that and outline it in my book from queer to Christ. If you care to read that first and then go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the new Testament and just simply read about the teachings of Jesus and see how kind and compassionate he was toward the outcast, the demonized, the sick, the lame, the lepers, the, the homeless, um, the widows, those who were caught in adultery, those who had numerous sins. He had such compassion for them, but he was there to convict them of the sin so they would turn from it. But he really railed against the religious hypocrites who really had no heart of Christ and they didn't have the compassion for the outcast. So I hope this will be a message of hope for you today. And, uh, you can always go to my website and send me an email. It has my email address if you have more detailed questions, but I want you LGBT individuals to understand there is hope in Christ. And if you've tried everything else, what do you have to lose by giving Jesus a chance? Well, that's extremely well said. And you, and you say something when, when we talked the other day, you were mentioning the fact that you still have uh, a lot of friends in that community and um, this isn't this isn't something that's intended to be, uh, I guess, what I would call uh, uh, accusatory or or nasty or negative. It's designed to be something very positive. What geography is something that's been in infecting every community. It's something that is not right uh, whether you're heterosexual or homosexual. It's something that they're using to break down our society, our, our heterosexual culture as well. That's a big deal. Pornography is a huge deal, and I think it's probably one of the uh, worst sicknesses we've got in our society right now. Yes. Uh, the pornography, of course, and the drinking 
um, I think it's just sad, Dan, because if they can get into the school system and target the kids young and mess up their minds, they're going to be easy prey once they graduate from high school. And what parents don't understand is once they go into the gay lifestyle, you may look at these drag queen story hour shows as cute and fun. It's sickening. And I can't even believe a parent would take their child to that because what you parents don't understand is when you take your child to those events, you are grooming them to believe that what is going on is normal. It's fun. It's cute, but it's not Mm -hmm. because once you go into an adult LGBT club to watch the, the drag queen show, I lived with a drag queen. I'm familiar with drag culture. I know what goes on. It's very raunchy, adult oriented. A lot of um, perverted stuff happens, very adult oriented language behind the scenes. You've got the sex, the drugs, and a lot of things that are going on, but you also have the older older people in those clubs who are predators who are going to prey upon the young men who walk into those gay clubs and they think it's cute and stuff, but understand once they kind of plow them with a little bit of liquor and they're watching this entertainment and they think this is fun and cute. And then someone picks them up and goes and have sex with them or rapes them because it happens so much. I've been sexually assaulted myself. I can't tell you the number of parents who contact me and young men who've contacted me who have been sexually assaulted but once they catch HIV, that's it. And in California, what used to be a felony for not disclosing that you were HIV is simply now a misdemeanor. They really don't care about these kids. So basically it's look at the drag Queens. This is cute. Now go on into the gay clubs and get involved in this, get involved in the lifestyle. Who cares if you're drugged, raped, robbed, or even murdered, or that you have HIV or a lot of other sexually transmitted diseases. They don't care about you at all. They only care about the agenda and that's destroying the family unit, silencing Christians and all Christians and all opposition to this agenda and to really just silence anything concerning God. And I want the LGBT individuals to know the Christians aren't your enemy. Yeah. There are a few in the community who are not nice at all. They're very hypocritical. They have no love in their heart, but if you're honest, you will also know that there are some LGBT activists who are just as hateful and spiteful and two-faced and hypocritical as the very Christians they rail against. So let's be fair. We have some within the Christian community and the LGBT community who just aren't nice people, but you will find some very decent LGBT individuals and some very decent Christians. And those that are trying to speak the truth of God's word are doing it because they love you. They care about you and they don't want you to die and go to hell. And whether or not you believe in hell is beside the point. God is very clear. It exists and rejecting Christ is where you will go. If you choose to reject the truth and God's word is clear. If you, he says, those who don't love the truth, he will send them a delusion, a strong delusion. So they will believe the lie. So it's important that you at least just take in what we are saying today and do your own research, do your own evaluation and go before the very God that we go before and simply say to him, if what they are saying is true, and if you are real, if Jesus is the only way and hell exists, and this is an abomination, would you help me to know it? I, I want the truth, no matter what, Lord, and God will give it to you if you are sincere in your search. And that's what he did in my own life. And I have no regrets about leaving that life and giving my life to Christ and being out of that bondage. Yeah, I know. I certainly can't imagine that you would have. Um, you, you mentioned the uh, 
the the drugs and the alcohol is such a big part of the culture. It's the same in many cultures, um, many different lifestyles, but they always, and by they, I mean globalists, uh, are always using something that uh, takes away our sensibilities, to take away or destroy our our discernment, our ability to pick and make good choices, uh, to pick the differences between right and wrong. Uh, they need to understand, everyone needs to understand that this is all about a massive population reduction program. If we look at their own stated purposes, the New World Order talk consistently about reducing the human population to fewer than a billion people. Uh, some say is as few as 500 million. Well, considering that we've got almost 8 billion people right now, that is a massive reduction in population. And frankly, they'll do anything possible to make that happen. It doesn't matter if it's wars. It doesn't matter if it's abortion. It doesn't matter if it's uh, re-sexualizing our whole culture to make us not understand heterosexual relationships and having families. And that's where they're targeting right now is the heterosexual family. It's so important that people give the right value to being a parent <laughs> and how important it is that parents stand up for the rights of their children in these indoctrination centers we call schools. Absolutely. Um, you had said something. Oh, and, you know, if some were to hear that and call you a conspiracy theorist, I would simply say, especially to the LGBT community, if you'll just simply sit down and read the book of Revelation, it's the very last book in the Bible. Start on chapter four, if you want. The first three God is, uh, um, the, the churches are being addressed. But if you just read from chapter four to chapter 22, I think that's the last um, chapter in the Bible. Stuff is in there that has been prophesied well over 2,000 years ago, including the New World Order and including the Mark of the Beast, the chip that we will have to take. And anyone who's awake and who's following it, they are pushing more and more a cashless society and wanting to implement a chip in the hand um, or in your palm somewhere to allow you to do shopping. And they're doing it all over the world. And um, people need to understand that the Bible is true. God's word is the final authority and God is not making this stuff up. And there's no way that John who on the Island Isle of Patmos, who wrote this and was inspired by the Holy spirit would have known anything about microchips. They didn't even know anything about computers or helicopters, you know, over 2000 years ago. So the truth of God's word is what it is. And it has been prophesied. And that's why time is short. And I, that's why I want to say, especially to the LGBT individuals who grew up in the church, if you have strayed from God, there's this is an urgent time in which you need to really stop, repent, get things right with God, get back into the church. 
and work out your own salvation with fear and trembling with the Lord, because time is short and Jesus is going to return soon. And it's important for all of us to then try to witness to the other LGBT individuals and anyone else who's in any form of bondage, whether it's the cult, Satanism, the porn business on death row, we really need to reach out and to give these people hope and tell them that Jesus does love them. Time is short and uh, the new world order is not uh, a conspiracy theory. It is real. They have stated it. They're very open about their goals and their agenda. And what Dan is saying is correct. So I would just encourage you to please stop listening to the mainstream media and really take seriously the times that we are living in. Well, George, they, they always use these warm and fuzzy expressions and catchphrases. And they always talk about how their only concern is being fair and reasonable and being, I guess, what I would call tolerant to the point of making sure that the whole world is treated fairly. Well, they say that, but what they do is the exact opposite. And, you know, when I talk about their stated goals of reducing the population, there are so many places you can go to find references to this, and certainly one of them is the biodiversity documents of the UN. They talk openly about how massive population reduction will be necessary for what they call a sustainable world. Sustainability is all part of the same thing, and it really always goes back to the same, same problem. Cultural Marxism is being used to restructure society, and part of that is the obviously the uh, LBGT uh, agenda. That's part of that as well. Well, interesting, Dan. You know, they're so concerned about overpopulation. Why don't the global elite just kill themselves? And then they won't have to worry about it. And then the rest of us can get on with our lives and we don't have to worry about being enslaved. Uh, you know, it's just interesting that they want to lecture us and tell us how to live, but they do the exact opposite. You know, they still fly on their private jets and they the celebrities still take their limousines, these gas guzzling limousines to the award shows. You know, they live behind gated communities with armed security, but they want us unarmed. They want no borders. You know, they don't want us to be safe, but they're going to make sure that they are safe, that they have their underground bunkers, that they have places to go, that they can still live the life that they want, but they want to dictate, dictate to us the useless eaters, as they call us, what we should be doing. And they want us now to eat bugs and not own anything and be happy. I, I have a few choice words for them, but I would just say, why don't you kill yourself and then just leave us alone? <laughs> we'll do just fine. Well, you know why they don't do that? Because there's only probably, if you add the total numbers up, I'll bet you the, the uh, so-called power elite, there are probably less than 10,000 of them. So it really wouldn't put much of a dent in the population. But people need to realize that's tail wagging the dog. We might have on the outside a number of 10,000 people that are dictating the whole societal culture. Everything about our society is being dictated by a handful of people. Right. Well, instead of them trying to play God, why don't, Again, you just mind your business and let God handle it. He knows what he's doing. And the world is not that crowded as it is. There's a lot of far uh, open land all around the world. 
this is just you guys trying to control us and round us up and get us into cities where you can have more control. And uh, we're not going to just lie down and roll over and put up with it. So good luck with your new world order. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, one of my favorite uh, little uh, documents, they did uh, a study and they said that if uh, they put the entire world's population, this is a couple of years ago, but uh, they put the whole world's population in the state of Texas, everybody would have about a thousand square feet. Uh, How in the world can they call that, uh, you know, critical to the point that we're destroying the world? And incidentally, the same people who are critical of Americans for being polluters and all this stuff, they give China a free pass because they're a communist country. Yeah. Well, you know. It's not about saving the world. It's about destroying capitalism, uh, destroying free markets, and destroying what we always held as the American exceptional culture, which was based on a very heterosexual, uh, very family-oriented culture. That was what America was all about. George, uh, you know, you were mentioning the teachers. How how has has the school system gotten so sucked into this insanity? I I see the teachers unions and and all the you know the national association of teachers and all these different groups as being just completely sucked into this program. How did that happen? To my knowledge, it I know it has definitely been happening since Reagan was in office. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Charlotte Iserby and the dumbing down of education. Oh, yeah. Charlotte was a friend of mine. Yeah. 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 I love she her just work. She passed away last year. Yeah. Oh, how sad. I really appreciated her work and I stumbled upon her work probably 12, 15 years ago. But as you know, she found the information showing that they had already started in uh, introducing communism into the public school system. I believe this has been going on since the 60s, even with the counter revolution, the whole hippie movement and what have you. But um, I think the elite, the communists have hijacked the education system and I just don't think how, I don't see how children have a chance with not being indoctrinated with the communist Marxist ideology going through the public school system these days. I don't know why parents aren't getting their kids out of the public school system. I actually had heard through a friend of mine, she had a friend, their parents put her in private Christian schools from K through 12. She went to a liberal college for one semester and now identifies as a lesbian atheist. If I can add, if I can add something here, Dan, mm -hmm. just real quick. Um, Sure. Go ahead. Thumper. Uh, Yeah, there was a story just uh, I did on my morning show this past week. And uh, the Seattle School District is having major problems. Their school attendance is way, way down. And people are actually starting to do that. I myself was a single dad. And uh, I put my uh, boys in uh, Christian school. Uh, That that was back in the... uh, the, uh, late eighties or early eighties or early nineties, excuse me, early nineties. And so there is a massive move and uh, the school districts in Seattle are actually starting to uh, uh, release uh, uh, staff because they, uh, they don't have the student body to, uh, 
get them. And that, you know, and that, again, that's going to affect our, our schools because they are paid a certain amount on attendance. And uh, so uh, people are starting to wake up in that respect, George. Good. Um, that's good news. And, uh, you know, that's just a little bit of the news. And that's just here from Washington State where I'm at. Uh, but I have a feeling that the the trend is growing across the country. That's encouraging. Well, Thumper, uh, as a matter of fact, I'll, I'll uh, jump in on that as well, because there was an article in the Epoch Times about a month ago, and school districts all over the country are reporting reduced uh, attendance to their public school systems. And that happened as a consequence of the COVID-19 lockdowns and the shutdowns where they wouldn't allow kids to go to school and force them to stay home. And many parents started to realize because their kids were at home, how little they had actually learned in the school system and what a waste of time it was for them to even be in the public school system. And the article that I read said that uh, public schools pretty much around the country are down uh, anywhere from 8 12% right now from what they were before the COVID-19 lockdowns. And uh, so people are starting to wake up to this reality, and it's uh, it, it's not just in Seattle, Pumper. It's uh, it's all over the country. Oh, I know. I just uh, you know, it, you know, it, when you start to see the local articles uh, picking it up and talking about it instead of you know, on the national news. Now, this this uh, report actually came out of uh, Seattle and one of the local stations there. So they're they're actually starting to talk about it to their own communities, and it is a uh, it is a problem, uh, and that that proves even more so that uh, we're waking up. If you can get it on the local news, then uh, more people are going to pay be paying attention and asking the question, why? That's encouraging. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, think about it this way: if um, and and they mentioned this in the article I read. Uh, most of the school districts, you're right, Thumper, they get um, they get a certain uh, per diem, I guess, or per capita uh, income per student. And all these schools are down now in enrollment. Uh, they're talking about shutting down. As a consequence of that, they're talking about shutting down 10% of the schools throughout the country. Yeah. Uh, and this is pretty fascinating. Well, you know, and the other the other thing, you know, the, the the opposition to that, not to really take this off too far, uh, but I was just reading uh, on a local uh, site here, uh, people are complaining about their property taxes going up precipitously, and uh, you know, uh, <laughs> where does uh, I think in in Spokane County here, uh, I, I think thirty nine percent of our property taxes goes to what the schools. Mm-hmm. And it's higher in a lot of communities. And Thumper, we'll get back to the conversation about this, but um, think about it. Doesn't it make sense? It connects the dots because now the property taxes are going up to the point where it's going to be difficult for a lot of people to own a home and they'll be forced to sell their private homes. And next thing you know, there'll be fewer homeowners, there'll be more renters, 
And uh, guess what? It all ties together because then they're going to be forced to live in stack and pack communities. Uh, and you're going to see a lot of real estate going the way of the Buffalo. And I, I really truly believe that Harry Dan wrote uh, several books about demographic that we're dealing with right now. And what it boils down to is the new world order uh, are absolutely destroying property values uh, all over all over the country and it's going to be all over the world and people don't even realize it yet well and that and that goes back to what george is saying is that uh the uh uh this uh group think you grab everybody put them together uh and uh you can you can generate this this group think of i'm not part of the group i'm not part of the crowd uh, the destruction of the family, the destruction of the uh, faith, uh, the destruction of our society when it comes to, you know, uh, uh, having having your privacy, having your uh, your family, uh, all of these things are are being, you know, it, it is a uh, we're being fired at from all sides. And uh, uh, and the biggest thing that we have is uh, to come together as families uh as as uh righteous individuals uh to put an end to it uh and uh really uh you know like uh like george you know you decided you walked away you uh you know said i'm not going to do this anymore this is not my lifestyle it's not what i want for myself well we have to do that with so much of what we have in our world today our government all of this uh it needs to we just you know, uh, you know, well, I, I do a show with another fellow, you know, and one of the things he says, uh, you know, in the Bible, it says, come out of her. Mm-hmm. You know, you need we need to come out of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think that's a very uh, uh, prescient uh, way to put it right now. Go ahead, George. Yeah, I was going to say, it's just so important for parents to when their kids get home to really ask them, let me see the materials that you're being taught at school. Understand there are some kids who are not being given these materials to take home to the school. So it's also important to ask those children, what are you learning in school? And if they tell you something that is shocking, don't react negatively to them because then they'll shut down and not tell you anything. Just simply like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And what else are you learning? Don't direct the anger at them. It's not their fault, but then take it up with the school board and the principal. But the parents have got to really get involved and start finding out what are you being taught in school? And the number of Christians that I hear from who are teachers, especially in Sunday school classes, are telling me that especially the girls are feeling such pressure to be bisexual. And this is a growing issue with a lot of the Christian young ladies in churches. They don't want to experiment with another woman, but their friends are making them feel like, well, then you're just a bore and you know, being heterosexual is boring. And this is the new way and it's very exciting and you should at least just try it. And they are feeling this pressure and the conversations need to be had, which is why I get so frustrated because a lot of the, the pastors or deacons that I meet who say, Oh, well, you've got this ministry and this is great. We need to hear this stuff. So many people are dealing with this issue, but they will never let me into the church to sound the alarm. This is not about me. You can get anyone else in there. You want to, but the point is, is the parents, most of them really don't know what's going on in the public school system. They really don't know what their children are struggling with. They also don't know that some of their children are being groomed for nine months by counselors behind their back to encourage their child 
or to get them to believe that they are of the opposite sex. And then one day your child's going to come home and say, mom, I'm not a boy. I think I'm a girl or I'm not a girl. I I should be a boy. That's how sneaky they are. And it's, it's just important to have this conversation. You know, when I have it, it's not X-rated. I'm not rude or obnoxious. I don't use a lot of language that may be uncomfortable, but these kids are already being groomed with this filth and perversion. So you either want to control the dialogue and have a pastor or a deacon or people like me or Dan or Thumper or others come in and sound the alarm and at least wake people up and to warn these youth or else they're just going to get it from their peers and they're going to get bad information. We can no longer afford to put our heads in the sand. We must start talking to these children and undoing the damage that has been done to their minds. George, um, I've got a question, and this is something that uh, always goes back to the same thing. Who's funding this? Because when you follow the money, you always find out uh, who, who is really pulling the strings and creating the agenda. Who, who's, who, is, uh, who are the primary sources of funding for this whole, uh, this whole movement? We all know anyone who's awake knows Soros pretty much has his hands in everything. But I definitely believe the globalists are behind it. And I think there are so many factions, so many different subgroups that are all working together to do their part to just have the overall collective of destroying uh, mankind, enslaving humanity, destroying families, destroying the children. And, you know, at the bottom, at the end of the day, we all know that God created us in his image. We are put here on this earth to give praise and worship to him. And what Satan wants more than anything in the world is for us to not believe that there is a God or to believe that God can't be trusted or that God made a mistake when he assigned your gender or that God loves you for being a homosexual. And he made you that way because he wants to get a a stranglehold on your life and to destroy you. Because the more people he can destroy, the less people that will give praise to God because Satan wants that worship for himself. So sadly, because Satan can't hurt God, we human beings are targets. But especially those of us who know Jesus as our Savior, we are even a bigger threat because by every time we open our mouths, we're doing more damage to the kingdom of Satan. So I believe the globalists who, of course, many of them are Luciferian. They believe Lucifer is the poor, innocent victim and that God is the big bad wolf. And so they are funding this and pushing it because they absolutely want to hurt God, as we saw in that earlier clip with Laura Logan. So, yes, I definitely believe the globalists are financing this. I I would agree with you. Um, We look at uh, things like AIDS. I'm I'm, going to go back a little bit and talk about the the fact that uh, Fauci, we see the same people involved the World Health Organization, um, the uh, uh, American, uh, uh, the American system of health, uh, such as the CDC, uh, organizations like that. And uh, when we go back and look at the the trail, Fauci was involved in the whole uh, AIDS uh, identification and. Uh, the different drug uh, experiments and these sort of things that uh, went on with the AIDS thing. There is no question in my mind that this was an engineered virus, an engineered disease. Um, 
it did not occur naturally in human beings. And it, uh, you know, if you follow the trail back, it looks like it uh, was a program that was designed to reduce population and started out in Africa. And, um, you know, this is the sort of thing that we need to get exposed to the American people and all over the world because these programs, these eugenics programs, have been going on for a very long time. And they are getting worse, and they are getting more intense. I think COVID was another example of that. And now they're talking uh, Marburg and different diseases that uh, haven't been in our uh, in our culture for a very long time that there's going to be a resurgence of all these things. How do you see that, George? How do you see all that playing out? I'm glad you brought this up, Dan. First of all, the sad part about when the AIDS exploded on the scene, a lot of uninformed Christians took that and ran and said, see, this is God's judgment on the homosexuals. And it really hurt a lot of those individuals who were already struggling with their own issues. But as far as it being engineered, I would like for the LGBT community, since they were so active and really pulled together during the Reagan administration when he wasn't talking about funding or even addressing this issue, and they rallied, they pulled together the money, and they were coming up with the drugs and trying to help gay men, especially who had AIDS. I wish that those same activists would really research the connection between Fauci and Dr. Gallo, G-A-L-L-O. And like you were saying, Dan, yeah. uh, their connection to AZT, find out about the patent, find out where the money trail goes in addition to COVID as well. And you'll find out that Fauci is really, I don't know what word to use other than uh, he's a rat. And I Evil. would just like for gay men, <laughs> especially if you had loved ones and friends of yours who died of AIDS and they were on the drug AZT, I would like for you to please go and do your research and connect with the gay media and really research this man and have him brought to trial for his crimes against humanity and what he did not only to the gay community, but many of us believe in the COVID community and pushing this COVID vaccine as well. Mm -hmm. It really is a depopulation agenda, but find out if he profited from the misery and the suffering from so many people. Well, I think it's pretty obvious that he did. Um, because you look at his financial statement, and he's been involved in the middle of this stuff forever. And how did that happen? How did this guy, I, I mean, I know that he had some credentials, but he's not, he's never been a practicing doctor. And I believe his, uh, uh, his uh, medical background is like uh, uh, a biologist or something. He's not, uh, he's not as credentialed as you would think someone would be that's uh, promoting and in charge of all these different programs. Well, if you're dealing with a narcissistic sociopath, which he may very well be, he could care less. You know, remember, he is the science. The arrogance of that little rat-faced weasel is, it's unbelievable to me. And the reason why I'm passionate about it is that my father did get COVID and he was given the drug Rindesivir, another drug people should research as well which is designed to kill 
And my father passed away as a result of that. And I want Fauci and even Bill Gates and everyone who knew about it to be held responsible for it. I mean, who is Bill Gates, a computer geek? Who is he to dictate to us? that he knows anything about uh, the medical community and vaccines and stuff. It takes years for this stuff to do trials and testings, but all of a sudden, you know, COVID hits the scene and within a, a short period of time, they already have a vaccine lined up. It's very suspect and suspicious and surprise. I, as I told my father before he passed away, I said the sad thing about this whole COVID nightmare is that it has revealed to me how, readily people are to accept the mark of the beast because they believe whatever they are told. They just want peace. They want somebody to take care of everything. They don't want to deal with any problems. They just want their lives to be as they are and they are willing to sacrifice their own rights. And they can't even see that they are frogs in boiling water, just being cooked to death. And they don't even know it. And it will sadly be at the destruction of our own way of life and our rights and enslaving us. And I don't know how to wake people up unless Thank God for people like you and Thumper and so many others who are willing to have these conversations, hoping we just can continue to share videos like this and wake people up one person at a time. Well, that's the way it's going to have to happen. But, um, you know, you mentioned, um, and then this is something you called him a rat fatal weasel. I think that's being kind yes. uh, to Fauci, but. <laughs> I mean, I think we need to do the research and connect all the dots between him and all the different programs that have been uh, so detrimental to the human race. And certainly you mentioned AIDS and AZT and different programs that uh, came up. They weren't, they weren't saving lives. They were generating huge profits for the the drug companies, you mentioned Bill Gates. Uh, Bill Gates, I, I read the article years and years ago. He said, they asked him, why are you involved in the vaccine programs all over the world? And he said, I can make 20 times as much money in the vaccine agenda that I can in Microsoft in the computer industry. They can make 20 times the money and look at all the lives they're impacting. He's not even allowed back into the country of India right now because of all the women that were made infertile and uh, given cancer through his so-called vaccine programs. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of stuff that uh, needs to be disclosed. This is the kind of stuff that we need to connect the dots on, isn't it? It is, but sadly, you have a controlled media who's not going to do anything about it. And those in D.C. who could do something about it, most of them are corrupt as well. I mean, there are so many corrupt people in our government. I think that's why even Hillary Clinton and Obama haven't even been arrested. I think the Bushes, the Bidens, the Obamas and the Clintons should all be arrested and their crimes investigated, but it's not going to happen because there are too many corrupt people and the Clintons know where all the dead bodies are, so to speak, and the Bushes too. We've all heard about the Bush and the Clinton body count, but sadly, nothing's going to happen. I, I, at least I have the comfort of knowing they're going to stand before God on judgment day. They're not going to get away with it, but I would certainly like to see justice in my lifetime that these people have to pay for their crimes against humanity. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well, um, 
talk about being a good parent. This is something that people, you mentioned that part of the reason as a child that you uh, started to feel the way that you did was because your father was somewhat detached, uh, which is, you know, has been uh, pretty much uh, kind of a, a way that a lot of fathers are, but it's so important now. If in fact we want to stand up against this whole agenda for uh, fathers and mothers both to be better parents, maybe talk about that, please. That is a great um, statement and segue because one of the things that's so important is a lot of parents may not understand the so-called explosion of individuals ad identifying as LGBT, but a lot of these kids are really hurting. They feel like outcasts, freaks, losers, geeks in the school system. And we all want to belong somewhere, but where the, the LGBT community has it right and where the Christian community has failed is the LGBT community will accept all of the outcasts, whereas a lot of the churches will push the outcasts out the door. You need to get your life right and get your saved and all that stuff before you walk in here. You have to be perfect. And we know that's not the way God intended it to be. Jesus wants to come in with all of our baggage and as broken as we are and know that we are loved and there's still forgiveness available at the cross. So when it comes to the parents, the one thing I would say, especially to fathers who have that macho attitude, maybe you grew up and your father wasn't demonstrative in his love, but the same goes for mothers because a lot of the lesbians will talk about how cold, cruel, critical, and distant their mothers were. That's why we have such an explosion of young men and women going into that lifestyle. There is a disconnect with the same sex parent, but fathers, it is so important for you to hug your children because I have two brothers, very heterosexual, but they had a lot of male bonding, especially with their peers. I didn't exactly see my father more demonstrative in his love with them, but I think because I wasn't getting it at school and I was bullied and harassed, threatened and beaten up, and one guy threatened to slit my throat, this is the stuff I was dealing with. I needed some male bonding. And so fathers, you don't may not know what your child is going through, but I would say from the moment they are born until they are six, seven, eight years of age, before they get to that stage of, oh, dad, don't be hugging on me. Love on those boys. Hug them. Tell them, tell them how proud you are of them. And I will give you the instance of a father. He was very much into race cars and drag racing and all of that stuff. But his son, who was gay, was into plays and arts and that kind of stuff. And the father, it really moved me because he was in tears and he was just saying, what can I do to help my son? And I said, you know what? He may not exactly like the things that you do, but if he likes a certain play, buy tickets to that play or take him to a symphony or do something that he enjoys. You know, there are a lot of musicians and rock stars who are very heterosexual, who are very musically inclined and artistic. God created us all differently. It doesn't mean your son's going to grow up a be, to be a homosexual. It just may be that he's interested in the arts. He may be very creative. That's the way his mind works. So hug them and affirm them, because if you will at least engage in what they find important and what matters to them, you could possibly offset any damage 
of this deficiency of them needing like me to go into the gay lifestyle to try to find that love and that nurturing, because there are a lot of men and women in that lifestyle who are waiting for your sons and daughters to go into that world and they're going to use them. They don't care about them the way that you care about them. So it's so important for fathers and even mothers with their same sex children to show as much love and bonding and to really affirm them and give them a sense of, of self-worth and self-esteem and to know that no matter what they do, you will always love them. And you might bypass some problems down the road by giving them a sense of belonging and knowing that they matter. Yeah, that's excellent. You're absolutely right. And uh, being a good parent means that you're, you're there when your children need you. And that's another problem in our society. We've literally uh, turned television into a babysitter rather than spending time doing things with our kids. Um, it, it's um, my, my dad died when I was really, really young. I was only seven years old. But uh, even at that, my mother tried to do things to encourage me uh, because I was always kind of... Uh, I was like the little mad scientist. Uh, I was I was a guy that wanted uh, you know to uh, get an erector set or a, or a canvas set or something like that. And I was really good because even go parent families, it's a matter of spending time with your kids and spending quality time with them so that uh, they can realize their own, uh, I guess what I would call it, owner, own uh, inner creativeness. And parents are the best people in the world to try to bring that out in their kids. Teachers really aren't the ones that should be doing that. Parents should be doing that. And if parents do that, then they're much less likely to be, you know, twisted into some... Uh, insane lifestyle by someone else parents need to be that guiding light don't they yeah and i have a an example of a family i know they have four boys and three of those boys are hairdressers believe me they are all very heterosexual but just because somebody goes into haircutting or something that you as a man may feel oh that's what sissies do or what effeminate guys do or he's going to be a homosexual doesn't mean the case at all Everybody is created differently. We all, all have different talents and we need to celebrate those talents. Uh, we can always use more art and creativity in this world if it's done to honor God, of course. But just because some guy's not into sports or race car driving doesn't mean they're going to grow up to be hom homosexual. However, if you do shame them and you don't affirm that and you belittle them and talk down to them, all they're going to do is shut down. They're not going to open up to you. That barrier is going to be put there. And all you are doing is setting the stage for them, possibly going into a lifestyle where they're going to seek from another man, what you failed to give them. And you know how the traps are set. That's something that people be, need to be aware of that there are these predators out there uh, of evil in that kind of thinking is just almost beyond what most people can conceive but they are out there aren't they yes there was a case recently well a couple of years ago i think it was in michigan i'm not sure 
where a young man went and met with another man at his home and that man's partner was away. But this man took the young man down to his dungeon because a lot of people are into that SNM bondage thing. But this man tied up the younger man. I think he held him upside down and slit his throat and then cut off his testicles and ate them. That's just one of numerous stories I could tell you, uh, even a friend of mine who met a young man on a dating app. And if you saw the young man, baby faced, nice looking kid, seemed like he wouldn't hurt a flea and uh, ended up just stabbing my friend repeatedly uh, just because he wanted to kill someone. And that's how dangerous it is when you're meeting these strangers, because you're trying to find um, love or just find a connection. And sadly, I think a lot of the young men and maybe even the young women don't realize that when you're doing this, what you're really looking for is you're going about it the wrong way because that void can only fill, be filled through Jesus Christ in a relationship with him. But when you're going into the world and you're putting yourself in these dangerous positions, simply because you want to connect with someone and there's this ache and there's this need, because I've certainly been there. It really is a dangerous lifestyle. I really wish and hope parents and Christians will really rethink their stance if they support this lifestyle. Because while you may say to that individual, I affirm you and I want you to be happy and I love you, they may walk away and think, wow, that's great that that person accepts me. But what you don't know is what they're going to have to do to find that peace and to fill that void in a lifestyle that is really a death style and it's dangerous. You're really harming that individual and they're never going to find any peace. And you're also pushing them into further rebellion against God. I would just simply say, if you've done that in the past out of ignorance, repent, ask God to forgive you and go to those individuals and point them to a different path. And a lot of Christians are quick to point out all of the clobber passages as they call them in God's word. But if you would simply sit down and say, yes, that while God condemns homosexuality, and again, I address this in my book, here are the passage of, passages of scripture showing this. Let me also show you how much God loves you, how much he's invested in you, that he knew you when he formed you in the womb. He knows the number of hairs on your head. And that if he cares to feed the ravens and the birds, how much more he would care to feed you and to close ill-equipped to deal with the individuals going into the church because they need a community. Because understand, Christians, when the LGBT individuals leave that lifestyle, the LGBT community turns on them because you, now you're a traitor. You've given your life to Jesus. We don't want to hear that. So they lose everything like I did. And you go into a church where the Christians don't want you because we don't know what to deal. We don't know how to deal with it. And I've had gay men tell me they've had Christians and even pastors tell them, we not only don't deal with it, we're not going to deal with it. Um, you can castrate yourself or commit suicide. I mean, they have actually said this to gay men. Mm -hmm. And the Christian community wonders why there's, the, there's so much outrage within the LGBT community that there are Christians so calloused and so cold-hearted that they don't look at these individuals as individuals God created and Jesus died for. And these individuals, you may be sickened by what they are doing, but they are still someone's son or daughter, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, grandchildren, and people are praying for them and they love them and they want them to come out of this bondage. How dare any of us say that these individuals are too far gone? Because I spent 25 years in that life 
And thank God I had Christians in my life who didn't follow this woke PC agenda crap. They stood against it and they still told me the truth of God's word and love. And they kept planting that seed and praying for me. And they treated me with respect and look at what God has done in my life. I know what God is doing in the LGBT community. He has not given up on that community. And I hear from LGBT individuals from all over the world who tell me, I am so miserable and I want out of this life, but they don't know that there's hope because the media will not cover stories like ours. So continue to pray for these individuals. And when they come into the church, love them, give them a place of belonging, make them feel welcome. Let them sit with you because the longer they sit under the power and the conviction of the Holy spirit, God will do the work in in their lives. God is in the saving business. He's in the deliverance business and he wants to help them. And he will, we must love them and be patient with them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I'll use an example of some. I, I'm, I think we all have uh, uh, friends in our lives that fit into the category that you're talking about. Um, and certainly one of them, and she was a very, very good friend of mine, was uh, Rosa Corey. Rosa Corey is uh, one of the biggest uh, exposés on UN Agenda 21. She wrote a book called uh, The Green Mask, talking about this. Uh, she was uh, opium, uh, op- She was an open lesbian, uh, had a relationship with a, a lady who, um, and incidentally, uh, Rosa died of cancer here, uh, oh, I don't know, about two years ago now. But uh, you talk about a a good, nice lady with an open heart and... Uh, she she practiced being a Christian so much better than many of the Christians who, you know, refuse to recognize that there are differences in God's creation. And yes, those people should. I mean, if if you're living that lifestyle, you should do you should get out of it. You should do everything in your power to get out of it. But there are some people who are still in that lifestyle, and we've got to be uh, as considerate of them as we can possibly be so that they are reinforced from our side and want to walk away from that lifestyle. Yeah, and that was really one of the most difficult things for me is when I would go into a church where there were a lot of families and sometimes they would have um, outings for um, family day. And it would really depress me because being around children reminded me of what I wasn't and what I wasn't going to have. Here I am, an older man. And when I would look at the the parents and they'd have these kids and, and the kids were loving all over them, it just really brought about more pain for me. And I know for so many of the single heterosexuals in the church as well, the pain that they are going through, they have not found a mate. So when you take gays and straights, who are in the church setting, there needs to be programs for them because if they can all come together and build an extend, build an extended family within the church and get to know each other, it will help ease that loneliness and that pain, especially when Valentine's Day comes around and especially if their parents have passed away and they're lonely, at least they can always connect and help each other, have a pizza night, Bible study, game night, bowling, whatever it is, but there needs to be some extracurricular activities for them as well. So they can have their own bonding sessions 
to offset that pain, because that's why so many of the LGBT individuals go back into that lifestyle. They are so hungry for a connection with people. And if Christians don't try to understand the issue, that's why I have so much compassion for them because I've been there. But for me, excuse me, I, I knew that that lifestyle was a dead end. And that's why by the grace of God, I was able to not fall in the trap of running back into that life because I already knew it didn't work. I tried it for 25 years. So I stuck it out in the church environment, but at times it does get overwhelming. It it gets sad, especially on a Sunday afternoon when everybody's leaving church and they go have fellowship and eat with their families. I would go home and eat alone. And these are just things to think about. I hope from a different perspective. So Christians will understand while I can understand that pain and struggle and maybe every once in a while, ask that LGBT individual or even a single heterosexual person in the church who may be alone and they don't have family nearby, ask them to go to lunch with you. Just make them feel included and seen and loved. And if you sit down and talk to them and just ask them, tell me about your life and your childhood. You're going to find that most of them have suffered some horrific abuse, mental, emotional, physical, verbal, shame, trauma, rejection, a lot of brokenness, but here's a chance for you to plant the seed and undo the damage that some of the mean spirited Christians have done, but also then help them to say to the Christian, to the LGBT community, who was always railing against the Christians. No, I've actually found some decent, loving, kind hearted Christians within that community. And they've been wonderful to me and offset some of that damage. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, I was going to ask you about that. Um, is is you you had mentioned that you went through some very very difficult times uh, when you were in uh, the the LGBT community? That um, you know you saw a lot of the addiction and and uh, you know the the alcoholism and and the abusive relationships and all that. I would really like you to talk about that uh, for young people who might be listening to this discussion right now, how incredibly uh, debilitating and dangerous uh, that that lifestyle is. And you, you did talk about it a little bit, but we never really got into uh, you know a lot of the a lot of the worst parts of that culture maybe talk to some of the young people that may be listening to this and explain to them why it's so important to not get started in that culture and how it can not only drag you in, but ruin your life forever. I will speak from my personal experience within three years of going into a gay bar. And when I went in, I was so naive and green and, oh, it felt great. I feel wonderful. I like that guys are looking at me. I'm enjoying the sex, the attention, this need that I'm trying to feel. I'm going to hopefully find it. But until then, I'll sleep with these men. But I could never find what I was looking for. And within three years, I was so depressed and suicidal that I did attempt suicide. I was a prostitute on the drugs and alcohol and just medicating. That's how quickly I became so fully immersed in that life. What made me even more depressed was it's as time went on and I was especially in the Los Angeles club scene, it seemed like everyone was promiscuous. And when I would meet the occasional couple and I'll speak for the, from the gay side, 
And they would say, oh, we've been together 10, 15, 20, 25 years. I got so excited because I thought, oh, you can find a stable, re solid relationship within the gay community. But eventually they would disclose they either had an open relationship or they'd want to invite me or, or invite someone else into it, or they would sneak around on their partner. And it constantly made me so depressed. I thought, I'm never going to find someone who has what you would hope would be some kind of a moral conviction, even in a lifestyle that's so immoral. But even when the lesbian community, I've heard numerous um, lesbian friends talk about the same thing, just so many multiple partners. I, do, I would just say to those LGBT individuals, once you go into that lifestyle, what you think you're going to find, you're not going to find it. It's going to feel good for a few months or a year. Sin is fun for a season. And we all have things that we've liked that, that we've tried, but we eventually get tired of it, whether it's ice cream or cake or, you know, bowling. But eventually you get bored with it and you want to go do something else. Well, it's the same thing in that lifestyle. It's going to feel great at first, but eventually the reality is going to set in. And all you're going to do is sit at those bars night after night, hoping to find the right person. And no one gives a flip how smart you are or what school you went to, or if you're a painter or if you can sing, it's a meat market. And so for the most part, when you walked in, they're going to judge you by your looks. And if you're not meeting their standard, they don't want anything to do with you. It doesn't mean they may not talk to you, that they might even develop a friendship with you. And that can happen. But when it comes to what it is you're looking for, you're not going to find it in that lifestyle. And then one day you're going to wake up old and your body's falling apart. Your looks have faded. And what do you have? Nothing. Your family has, you've probably disowned your family or you're not in communication with them. You've lost all of that time with them. You have superficial friendships and those men or women around you, especially the gay men who are dying from all of the sexually transmitted diseases and AIDS and what have you, if, as your family dies, what do you have left? You're going to be an old gay man stuck in a gay bar, sitting there alone, and you're going to have to pay for a young man to sleep with you who's only going to use you for your money. What I'm really trying to say is, is what do you hope to get out of that life? Because at the end of the day, one day you're going to die and you're going to be on your deathbed. And whether you believe in God or not, you're going to have to ask yourself, what if? Just what if God is real and what if there is a hell? What if there is an eternal torment for those who rejected Christ and understand once you die, that's it. There's no coming back. There's no undoing it. And if you think that a romp in the sack is worth an eternity apart from Christ and a, a place that's going to be chaos and misery and torment, it's not worth it. And this was part of my awakening and really realizing what an idiot I am and how stupid can I be to put sex above a relationship with Christ and to think about my eternal reward of being with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ in heaven for eternity, because this pain is going to end and it's temporary, but eternity is forever. And I want to spend it with Jesus, not in hell. And so when things get bad, I just stay, or if I get lonely, or if I get, uh, I feel despair at times with what's going on in the world. I just remind myself, God is in control. He's on the throne. This is going to end and the eternal reward is going to be worth it. That's an excellent way to put it. Uh, <clears throat> you know, what you're talking about, too, you mentioned celibacy. And, uh, you know, if, if, if you have that uh, predilection, you might be better off to live a life of celibacy 
uh, and and recognize that then at least you can you can be true to your Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. And I want to say, you know, some people will think of celibacy and they think, oh, uh, I don't know how I could do it. I was, I have to tell you the 15 years I've been out of that life being celibate, I've had more peace. I don't have the anxiety that I did when I was in the gay lifestyle. And I want you to know that what God, what you lose in the process of leaving whatever bondage you're in, God is going to fill that void in other ways. And you're not only going to have a relationship with God and have that peace because you're no longer doing what he deems wicked, but God, he's going to give you a purpose. He tells us in his word. He has plans and a purpose for us, plans to prosper us and not harm us. And there's more to life than sexuality and sex. There really is a whole world waiting out there, but our society says it's all about sex and sexuality and your identity has to be wrapped up in that. And they're playing you for a fool. And I'm so glad I'm free from that bondage and that deprogramming or the programming and understanding that, my identity is in Christ and I have family and friends and I, I, I'm busy with a lot of things and God has just filled that void in so many other ways. So celibacy is not some death sentence and there are numerous heterosexuals out there who are on the same path as homosexuals and transgender individuals who have chosen to put God first. And at the end of the day, I would say to the LGBT individuals, this is not a hard decision to make if you are not selfish and self-centered because for me, I know that when I do that, it grieves God and I don't want to grieve God or Jesus, especially with what he did on the cross for me. I don't want to grieve the Holy spirit. So although I could go and sleep with a man, I don't do it because I don't want to grieve God and Jesus and the Holy spirit. I care about their feelings. And so if you're a selfish, self-centered person, this is going to be more difficult. But when I feel tempted to do anything, sex related or not, that I know that God condemns, even not forgiving someone who's harmed me. I have to do it because God commands me to. So it's really just readjusting your thinking and your walk with God and reading God's word and what he says he deems wicked. Don't do it. And what he says, do, do, do it. You're going to find a lot more peace in your life. And man, it's going to be worth it at the end of the road when Jesus returns. Yeah, for sure. Well, you mentioned something that I I see as being huge now with the young people in our country, uh, and that is peer pressure. The the fact that so many young people now are being pressed to do things uh, because now it's vogue, now it's cool. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, uh, they've flipped common sense on its head. And now it's uh, cooler to be gay than it is to be straight. Uh, This is the kind of stuff that uh, I think people need to understand the tremendous amount of peer pressure that are in our schools and why it's so important that uh, people get their kids out of public schools if this is the kind of crap they're teaching. And at the same time, if it is in the public schools and they want to make a difference, why parents need to get involved and need to go to school boards and need to talk about this stuff. Yeah. Again, I just want to say to the youth, you're being lied to. If you think you're going to find joy at the end of that gay rainbow, take it from someone who has spent 25 years in that life. And again, 
if you want to do what everyone else is doing, go chop off your breasts, your male anatomy, have your internal organs removed as a female and listen to those trans individuals who are detransitioning, talking about the regret and especially those females who now long for motherhood. They bought the lie. They have no breast. They have no feeling in their chest. They've had their internal organs removed. They can no longer have sex. And then the young man who sadly had their male anatomy removed. And what many of you don't know is once that fake vagina is fashioned, your body sees it as an open wound and it's going to try to close it. And you have to constantly keep it open. And I, I've heard the testimonies of some who've said they've developed so much scar tissue that they have to keep going in for other surgeries to reopen all of that. It's an ongoing nightmare that you're never going to get out of. Unlike a tattoo, you can regret getting a tattoo, but you can cover it up. And these days they have the technology to remove them, at least from what I'm understanding. But once you remove your body parts, that's it. The bottom line is, is God created you. He knew you in the womb. He knows who you are. He doesn't make mistakes. And anyone, especially Christians who support this agenda, who vote for parties, who push these policies, what you were saying is that God, you made a mistake and we're going to correct it. And I would really hate to be you on judgment day. It's time for people to get their heads out of their rear ends and stop with this foolishness. You can't change your gender and it's harming these children and get them out of the public school system and stand against this agenda. I'm passionate about it only because I nearly lost my life spending 25 years in a, in a lifestyle that was a lie, believing the lies, being fed all of the lies from the LGBT activists, from Hollywood, from the media, and especially these liberal theologians who don't give a flip about these individuals. They're lying to them. And this is why so many LGBT individuals are miserable because they are torn. They've been given so many messages. They don't know what to believe anymore. And that's why I just was in tears all of the time trying to get out of that life because I didn't know what to believe anymore because I had been fed so many lies, but thank God he was patient with me and helped deprogram me of those lies, which I talk about in my book. So familiarize yourself with them so you can help these LGBT individuals know the truth and get out of that lifestyle. There is hope in Christ. Well, and I also know you mentioned this to me the other day when we were, uh, we were visiting about doing the program. Um, You've got many, many friends who are still in that lifestyle, and they reach out to you on a regular basis uh, talking about how, how they want out of that lifestyle, how miserable they are, and how uh, they feel trapped within that lifestyle. There are so many reinforcements in our society right now that are making this cool and and acceptable and all this stuff uh, that it's trapping a lot of people in the lifestyle that would like to get out of it. Um, isn't that true as well? Yeah. And I want the LGBT individuals to know that when it comes to my friends still in that lifestyle, I have never talked down to them. I don't berate them. I don't mistreat them. I love them and I really do care for them. And I value my friendships. It doesn't mean I go to the bars. I don't do anything gay related. But if they call me, I do invest in their lives. I ask them, how are you doing? Congratulations, you got a new house and how's your new job? That kind of stuff. I treat them with respect. And I want Christians to know why I keep them in my life because most of them don't have any godly influences. They're not around Christians. They have no one else talking to them about the truth of God's word. 
So I hope to keep planting that seed and keep their hearts tender to hearing the gospel. Even if they are not receptive at this time, God will, I plan it. God will do the watering. He may bring others along who will help these individuals, but I would, I would hope Christians and families and people in general would be a lot more patient, kind, and loving, and still tell them the truth of God's word. And if they start to get a little um, defensive, just walk away. It's okay. We can talk about it another time. You know, don't, don't take it personally, but understand they're dealing with demons. First of all, we're dealing with spiritual warfare, but you're also dealing with people like myself who were who found it so difficult when my, my father would have this conversation with me, all I could think about was I want to love and be loved because we all do. I couldn't understand that my father was looking at it from an eternal perspective, whereas I was looking at it from a worldly perspective. So understand if they are resistant, it's because there's a dilemma and a battle going on. They so desperately want to love someone and the thought of growing old alone, which we all can relate to is a very valid feeling. So try to be patient with them, but still continue to speak the truth of God's word. Well, and you mentioned your father um, who recently um, passed away from uh, the COVID jab and then uh, the the um, remdesivir, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was given remdesivir. I know someone else, very similar situation to that myself. Um, your relationship with your father was not that good when you were younger, but it really became uh, so much better as as uh, as you both got older. Isn't that a part of it as well? A lot of people in the church need to understand that uh, you know your salvation is so much more important than. Uh, than your sexual orientation, and that once you get one straight, you'll get the other one straight. Great point, Dan. I will say that the reconciling with my father and the last six and a half years of his life that God allowed us to spend time together was really instrumental in a lot of my healing. And plus going to counseling and working on other issues from my childhood. And it really... uh, It just, it helped, I think, dissipate a lot of what was driving my behavior in that lifestyle. And that's what God did. He didn't take away the attraction as much as he took away that grip, that need to want to go sleep with a man. Because I can look at a man and say, wow, he's good looking or what have you. But I can also look at a woman and think, wow, she's really pretty and she's really beautiful. But I'm more concerned about my relationship with God and the healing process and the road that he has me on. And and besides, by being single, which I hope, all of the Christian singles will understand this. When we are single, this gives us much more freedom to be used by God to go wherever he wants us to go and to do what he wants us to do. So I feel like what few years I have left, I would like to do stuff for God and hopefully win souls into the kingdom, not for a pat on the back, but just as a thank you to God for, you know, I really messed up the first 40, 45 years of my life, but I hope in you giving me a second chance that I kind of made up for some of that And I hope I did some good in the world. And in spite of what I went through, I hope to share my story to keep other LGBT individuals from going through that. And if I can just keep one person from going down that path or help one person come out of that life and hopefully come to know Christ, then at least I can say, God, it was well worth it then because some good came out of this. Well, yeah, you're right. And 
course, you mentioned the um, the role of the liberal church in trying to paper over all this. At the same time, we've got the role of the, I guess what I would call is the uh, unrepentant church, uh, who identifies, uh, you, you know, any anyone in the LB, uh, LGBT community as being someone who is unrepentant. That's the kind of uh, crap that uh, the church needs to start dealing with on a much better basis as well, isn't it? I do place a lot of the blame on the church because instead of them standing strong and taking a firm stand against this and even dictating to society morality, they've instead acquiesced and and allowed themselves to be dictated to by our corrupt government and these globalists. And we've taken a back seat, put our heads in the sand. Oh, let's don't upset anyone. We just want peace. Fine. You're just going to love them straight into hell. People have to be told the truth. Yes, God is a God of love, but he's also a God of wrath and judgment. And I have no qualms saying it because I don't want my LGBT friends or those in the community to die and go to hell. I want them to know the truth. And since a lot of the liberal pastors aren't doing it, they've watered down the truth. They're lying to these individuals. They're making them feel good in their sin. And God is not okay with it. He will never be okay with it. And for you to think that he's not going to judge us, he judged the world when he flooded it. He judged Adam and Eve when they disobeyed. He judged Sodom and Gomorrah for their wickedness. And he judged the Israelites for their idolatry. What makes us think that we are so special that God is not going to judge America for our wickedness and judge the church for the lukewarm um, attitude that we've taken and the apathy and taking a back seat and becoming a bunch of cowards? When are we going to start standing up and say, we're not going to take this anymore. We're going to speak the truth. We're going to vote these clowns out of office, and we're going to start putting some God-fearing Christians into the Senate, into the Congress, and hopefully into the presidency. And maybe we can fight back if we could get Christians on the school boards as well. But no, everybody just wants to love and hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Well, how is that working out for us? It's it's awful, and the children's minds are being destroyed, and in 10 or 15 more years, we really don't understand the repercussions of what this is the society is going to be like when the older people are dying, have died off, and these people whose minds have been destroyed by this agenda are now running the show. America really will be an, an insane asylum. We've got to do something now, and I think the big thing that we need to do as Christians and as churches is to pray and repent because we really need to go to God and say, we have failed. We dropped the ball. We ask you to forgive us, but if you will give us another chance and help get God fearing Christians into uh, these public offices and, and maybe we could steer this ship in a different direction, but I don't want to be pessimistic, but I feel like we're too far gone, but there's always hope. Well, I, you know, we've had a lot of these discussions um, in the political realm with people who represent us in uh, various forms of uh, uh, representation from, uh, well, I'm, for that matter, I was a former county commissioner, but uh, there are so many people in uh, state legislatures, Congress, uh, different uh, positions that can stand tall and stand for what they believe in, and yet they're always failing to do that because they don't want to be labeled. They don't want to be uh, not politically correct. 
we need to get uh, get over that and understand that it's much better to be correct than it is to be politically correct. Well, Dan, the bigger picture is, is I'm sure you will understand this. I fear God. I really, and it's a reverential fear. But the reason why I can boldly say the things that I say is because I don't care what people think. It's not about wanting to be a jerk, but I answer to God. He's the one that holds the destiny to where my soul is going to be. And when I stand before him, I do want to hear those words. Good and good job. My job well done. My good and faithful servant. I would hate to hear the words depart from me. I never knew you. I don't understand how anyone cannot do the right thing simply because they don't want to offend someone or they're worried about being labeled something. The beauty in my story in walking out of that life and having the LGBT community and a lot of the members attack me and call me every name in the book, growing up and being bullied and called every name in the book, it rolls off my back like water off a duck's back or whatever the uh, phrase is. But, um, it doesn't mean anything to me. I don't care. Call me whatever you want. I care enough for those individuals who are in bondage. I want them to come to know Christ. And at the end of the day, I care about what God thinks. And I know he, I'm going to answer to him. And I don't understand how anyone could cower and worry about what people think and worry about offending them, but they don't worry about offending God. I just don't understand that mentality. No, I don't either. I don't either. And that's also part of, um, you know, for the heterosexual community, uh, it, it's part of the reason that we need to be thoughtful and we need to be uh, understanding and forgiving and trying to find solutions rather than trying to find uh, ways to intimidate people into thinking the way we do. This isn't about that at all. It's about finding the, the courage to be honest and finding the courage to be helpful and be truthful and uh, do, do the right thing. We should always want to do the right thing. More than that, if they would stop long enough to think, is my silence going to, for these young kids who have no one fighting for them, your silence is basically saying I'm in agreement with it or I'm fine or I don't care that this child's life is now being destroyed and it's being warped by this perversion and this filth. Wouldn't you better be want to be able to say to these kids, I may have lost the battle, but I fought for you. I fought for every one of you children who didn't have a voice, who didn't have a parent who perhaps was raised in a church or had a moral compass who thought that this was okay, but I fought for you because if you could look at it from that perspective, how could you not get out there and fight for those children who have no voice? This is a no brainer to me. And I know it is to you as well, Dan. Well, it is to any thinking American. Um, but, you know, I'm glad you brought that whole, um, that whole idea up because um, as, as even if we're not parents ourselves and, and I'm a parent and a grandparent, but even for someone like yourself, uh, we have, a, an obligation to the world and to society to do what we know is right. Right. And part of that obligation is not being uh, willing to just shut your mouth and go along with things that you know are wrong. I mean, God doesn't like 
all lambs. He calls us his lambs, but at the same time, he wants us to be lions. He wants us to be the ones who stand up for those who do not have a voice. And that's what you're talking about. Yes. And I've seen the devastating, I've seen, I've seen how that lifestyle has devastated so many people that I know in that lifestyle. If everybody was happy and they had such great lives, maybe I'd have a different story. But when I've seen successful gay men get so heavily immersed in that lifestyle that they get on drugs, they get into the party scene, their looks fade, they uh, lose everything. They turn to prostitution, become HIV positive, and now they're dead. To see what it did to their life for what? Some party time and some sex with men and look at what it got them. It's heartbreaking. And so that's where I speak is from experience. I've seen the devastation of that lifestyle. Yeah, I think even uh, those of us who are um, uh, heterosexual have seen it because I, I've worked with different people. I've known people over the years and several of them uh, that I knew that I worked with in my construction business uh, died of AIDS. And uh, it was because of the lifestyle. And it was uh, it was sad to see it happen because they were they were good people. They were good, good guys. You know, they they I didn't agree with their lifestyle, but they were uh, well-meaning, nice people in their own regard, in their own light. Right. Rosa Corey is a uh, someone who, um, you know, I I was uh, pr probably impacted more by her death because she was such an involved patriot in the patriot movement and what a loss um you know she died of cancer but um you know it, it, it she was someone who really tried to uh, do the right thing uh you know and and that's kind of a sad tragic thing that a lot of people miss completely i think what i would say to the christians who are listening Again, this is, has nothing to do with bashing anyone or not supporting people. This is really, we're really trying to, to save lives, not only here on this earth, but eternally. And so what we are saying really is not hate speech. It really is love speech, even though the activists will try to shut something like this down because they don't want the truth to get out there. But we do care about those individuals. And if you ever know that a gay pride is coming into town, I would ask you, instead of going down there and using a bullhorn to say God hates fags and being a Bible thumper, if you go down to the gay pride parade and you ask them simply, can I pray for you or can I give you a hug, pass out some water, some a little pamphlet, just telling them how much God loves them, you'll be surprised at how many will, how many will be responsive. Just being hugged and prayed for, it will move them because they're so desperate for something and they're searching. You can really move a lot of hardened hearts that way, just simply being a decent human being, still being truthful about the word, but just saying you're always welcome at the church. We speak about all sin, but and we don't single anybody out, but we love you. God loves you. And you have a safe place to come and be at this church and allow them to sit under the conviction of the Holy spirit. God will do a work in their life. He loves the LGBT community. Yeah, I think he hates too. their sin, but he um, loves them. Thumper, would you do me a favor and put uh, George's book up uh, for our viewers? And then, uh, George, would you uh, uh, tell 
people how they can uh, get in touch with you and learn more from you on uh, on on your subjects? Okay. My website is www.georgecarneal, car, C-A-R, Neil, N as in Nancy, E-A-L, georgecarneal.com. You'll find information on the book. You'll also see link to my Rumble and YouTube channels and other stuff. There's also a lot of resources for Christians, parents, and LGBT individuals that you can look at transgender as well. And uh, if you have any questions, you'll see my email address on there and feel free to reach out. And if I'm slow to respond, I just sometimes get a lot of emails, but um, I just want to give all those individuals hope and, and especially parents who have LGBT kids to know that there is hope for your children and don't give up on them because prayer is powerful and you have the power because of prayer. Well, and I have to tell you, George, I, um, I am so grateful that there are people like you that are willing to um, put it all on the line because this is not a subject that gets uh, a lot of discussion. I mean, you get a lot of discussion in other ways, but not this way. Uh, you know, you're not promoting, you're just trying to explain to people that there are other alternatives out there and uh, that God really does love you and want you to uh, live a normal lifestyle. Exactly. And to find that peace and joy in Christ. And like I said, to anyone who's in bondage, if you've tried everything else, what do you have to lose by just simply giving Jesus a chance? And I have information about that on my website and even how to know Christ. So the information's all on there. And I hope you'll make that decision for Christ today. Turn your back on that lifestyle and find true peace. Doesn't mean your life's going to be perfect. That's the great thing about life. It's uh, inconsiderate and it's um, not fair to everyone. So it's an equal opportunity offender, but uh, it's, it's um, what is it? The word um, it's, this is very temporary, but we want to focus on the eternal reward. It will be worth it. Well, I, I just want people to know too, that uh, there are a lot of people out there that want to uh, want to be your friend and for all the right reasons. And that's, that's it. Uh, people mm -hmm. need to understand that uh, we are being isolated by the new world order, by the powers that be for a very specific reason. They want to destroy our relationship with our Lord and Savior, but they want to destroy our relationship uh, with others as well and they want to reduce the world's population and that's a simple fact and yes. they've stated it over and over and over again well stated okay well uh thank you and uh I, I this has been a great program and george uh, i look forward to talking with you again uh sometime very soon this is something that people need to hear I appreciate your being so uh, candid and so honest and being willing to come on and talk to our audience. And thank you, my friend. God bless you. And thank you for having the courage to have me on the show and to have this conversation. I do appreciate it. Okay. Well, we're glad we did it because uh, I'll tell you what, I've got a feeling this is a, a story that is going to start gaining some traction down the road thanks to you and people like you that are willing to come forward.
From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee, across the plains of Texas, oh, from sea to shining sea, from Detroit down to Houston, and New York to LA, where there's pride in every American heart, and it's time we stand and say. Jeremy. 